it is what it is. Whatever you were handed, it's like, okay, fuck, I have to deal with this now, right? What am I going to do with it? And so being really gentle and loving with ourselves and being like, okay, here you are again. We meet again, right? And finding new ways to really go into that space and saying, okay, this reminds me of something that I went through. I'm going to go there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really look at what needs to be loved up, what's been ignored. How can I give this part of myself attention? And really, that's all it is. Those pieces of us just really need to be loved and seen and honored and validated until they feel safe enough. This is your Kick-Ass Live podcast, episode number 351 with guest Christine Gutierrez. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. Today, I have a repeat guest on, and I could not wait to come and share her with you again because she has a new book coming out. I got a copy of it, and it is so fantastic. One of the things that I've learned over the years in this industry and in my own practice, and you know, since I launched Your Kick Ass Life in 2010, is that positivity is fantastic. Spreading inspiration and motivation, encouraging people that they can do it, cheering them on, that is all fantastic. It's all great. And if we really want to support people, if we really truly want to support and love women, we have to also make room for the difficult stuff, for the darkness, for the traumas and the quote unquote shadow side. And that's where Christine's work really comes in. I was so glad that she has written this book and I quote her in the very very beginning, you'll hear it, and I just, I was so moved by her writing and also her process that she takes people through. I won't give too much away. For those of you who might be brand new to her, she also does work in love addiction, and I'm going to link to the previous show that that she was on here uh, because I think it's important for people to listen to. As someone who has been in recovery from love addiction for about 12 years, it's one of those things that many people aren't really sure what it is, and then they hear about it and see the patterns and the addiction, and they're like, oh my gosh, that is something that I have struggled with or that I still struggle with. And so I encourage you to go back and listen to that if you if you resonate with Christine's work or if you're just interested in love addiction in general. So for those of you that don't know her, let me tell you a little bit about Christine. Christine Gutierrez is a Latina licensed psychotherapist, life coach, and expert in love addiction, trauma, abuse, and self-esteem. She has a bachelor's degree from Fordham University in human behavior and development and a master's degree from City College of New York in mental health counseling with a focus on community and prevention. She has been featured in Time Out New York, Latina Magazine, Yahoo Health, Ebony, Cosmo for Latinas, Huffington Post, and others. So without further ado, here is Christine. Hey there. Actually, before we jump in, I wanted to just make a quick note of the audio for this particular episode. I didn't hear it when I was having my initial conversation with Christine, but upon listening back, it sounds like there's some kind of background noise. I don't know if it was some kind of ghost that was 
here during the conversation, but my amazing producer, Darlene, did her best to clean it up. But I did want to apologize because I know some of you are very sensitive to audio. So just wanted to let you know that before we jump in. Christine, welcome back to the show. So excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you about this book, which has been, I feel like, a long time coming for you. Is that fair to say? I wanted to make this work accessible as best as possible. And a book is a wonderful way to do that. And for me, it's almost like my Diosa retreat in a book. It's a deep dive. And uh, I'm grateful that the time has finally come. Mm -hmm. Well, let's start from the very beginning, because I have a lot of questions for you that have to do with what is in the book. And let's start with who is a Diosa? Yeah. Um, a diosa, it, first of all, diosa is a Spanish word for goddess. And so for me, a diosa can be anyone. And it's all about invoking your divinity, your inner divinity, um, about invoking the feminine, the mother. And there's a part of the book where I say, whoever is guided to it is a diosa. And so there's this kind of old school belief on, you know, kind of like gender norms where you use the word uh, Diosa, and you would think, okay, this is only for women. And while my main demographic is women, uh, it's more about invoking that feminine energy within. It's about invoking that primal, ancient mother, Ma, which is for everyone. A hundred percent. And I, I, as I was reading your book, I got the feeling that this book came from your life's work of not only your education and training and, and working with women, but also your own healing. Is that a fair assessment? I am a licensed therapist and I combine ancient healing modalities from shamanic roots and tantra, meditation, energy work um, with my clinical training. But uh, life cred is always a huge part, I think, of any healer's path. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was no different in the sense that I went through my own initiations, both personally and professionally. And personally, facing trauma myself allowed me to really understand in an embodied way what it feels like. And so when I work with people, I'm teaching not only from my clinical experience, but from my own personal experience. In the introduction, there was this one part that stopped me. And I, I want to read it out loud because it was so incredibly incredibly beautiful and, and spoke to so much of, of what I believe in. And I'll tell you why in a second. So here's what you said. You said, your pain is welcome here. Your brokenness is welcome here. Your woundedness is welcome here. Your rawness is welcome here. Your discovery is your own and your pace. Honor it above all. And do, do you remember writing that by any chance? When people read me my words yeah. from books, I'm like, I don't remember writing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that specific piece, I, I, I do. I do remember writing Okay. It. Mm-hmm. But I, I loved it so much because I think so much in the self-help world and, and really even the birth of my practice can be all just cloaked in positivity and that's all we focus on and it's all about your mindset and just you know, raise your vibration and things like that. And I love that. Yes, you do talk about that, but you, you definitely turn your head and open your arms as a healer towards the pain and the brokenness and the woundedness and the rawness. And it's just, it's really beautiful um, t- 
to watch as a colleague of yours. And just, Mm. I wanted to acknowledge that and and just say thank you because this work is necessary for people listening and people who come across your work. Yeah. You know, it was really important for me. One of the main things that I wanted to, to do was to offer a sense of grounded spirituality. And for me, that means being putting more humanity back into spirituality and personal development. A lot of what I call more mainstream spirituality really um, left out the human experience. And so for me, being a healer means really being like this mother, la diosa, Mm -hmm. and kind of like this image of me with big arms and like the earth just kind of holding you and cocooning you as the, the soil would a seed. Right. And so when my clients come to me, there's this energy of this kind of ancient elder that comes to scoop them up and tell them, let me see your brokenness, Mm -hmm. you know, cry on my shoulder. And I I literally will rock my clients and sing to them um, what I call cantos del alma, songs from the soul, so that they can remember a time that goes beyond this mundane world so that they can feel the love of the, of La Diosa. And so part of that is, you know, give me your demons, give me your wounds. Um, because so often we go around this world trying to put ourselves together, right. And we don't have the space to just break, to just be raw, to be broken, to say, I I need help. And so part of my work is, you know, I consider myself a shadow worker, really holding space for those pieces of people that they're often too shamed to show others. Oh, I got goosebumps. Yes, 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 yes. So many yeses there. The the book is broken up into three parts, the darkness, the light. And when I was first reading the table of contents, I thought I I just saw those two, like the darkness and the light. And I was like, oh, cool. And then I saw that there's a third part and it's the integration. So why did you choose to write it that way? For me, I always start, um, if I, if you envision the body at the root, right, your sex organs, the, uh, in many different healing modalities, they talk about different chakras or energy portals, but essentially I always start at the root and the root for me is the dark womb of change. That's where, uh, you start at your family patterns, right? Uh, or if you want to go even deeper, um, the, the moment that you were conceived, right? But really you start from the bottom, the dark womb of change, you rise up and you start to see, okay, in order for me to access the light, I need to go to the shadows. In order for me to have sustainable light stay in my life, I need to look at those triggers. I need to look at those traumas. I need to look at the, the wounds that I've experienced uh, in my life. And then, and only then can you have sustainable light. And so what happens when we have this, right? The integration is the coming together of all those parts where you acknowledge that we are all things, right? We are both darkness and light. We are both sunrise and sunset. Um, And so the integration is the necessary part of saying, I'm always going to have to face life on life's terms. I'm always going to have to deal with some shit at some point, Mm -hmm. but, but I need to know that I have tools. I need to know that I can, that I can hold those parts of me, that I can hold both the darkness and the light. And so that final piece is this kind of grounded practice of saying, let's pull all of this together. Let's get to know those triggers. Let's get to know the light that you were able to access as a result of doing this soul work. And then let's put it together and let's really implement these practices in a way that makes you feel whole. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, which came first for you? 
in in your own experience? Was it you were in school, you know, as learning how to be a therapist and then figured out like, oh, there's so much more than CBT or talk therapy. There needs to be soul work. Or was it the other way around? Did you know that there needed to be soul work first and then went into your to your training? I like to say that since the time I was little, I, I, from the earliest memories, I was attracted to spirituality and healing work and helping work. And so in that way, I was very, I was a student, a spiritual student. Um, and though my, my background was in Catholicism because I went to Catholic school, I don't practice, a, a, I'm not a practicing Catholic now, but a lot of my spirituality came from that point where I knew that there was more beyond this material world. The Catholic church really has it down when it comes to rituals, you know, like they they really teach that. (laughs) Yeah. And there was so much, I, I, until this day, I'm obsessed with churches and Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. there's so many things that I gained, right. That are part of my practice. Like I, I always say like, you know, when shit hits the fan, uh, I'm, I'm praying my old school prayers yeah. <laughs> and my, you know, so I, I keep it close to my heart. And, um, I, I had like a little baby altar, right. Where I would use my little Bible and I would specifically open it to Psalms. Cause I was like my favorite. Cause it was very poetic mm-hmm. and I would use it and like ask it a question and open and whatever would come to me would be like my message. And, you know, uh, that spiritual connection made me know that there was support that went beyond this world. And so I carried that with me and I knew that anything that I would do would somehow be connected to this part of me. Of course, being younger, I didn't know that this existed, right? I didn't Mm -hmm. know that shamans existed. or I didn't know that you could be a therapist and be spiritual. Um, But once I found out that you could do that and you could merge the two, I, um, I made sure to do that. And so I think that the spiritual came first, but, uh, in terms of training, my clinical training came first in the traditional sense, but I believe that I was trained by trained by spirit, even before going to school to get my master's and become a licensed therapist. And then after I graduated with my master's, I went on another journey to get more formal spiritual training. Interesting. I was just curious, like, this is selfishly curious because <laughs> it's so interesting to me, people like you, I have a, I have a couple of, of good friends and colleagues who are like that, um, who feel just were born to be connected, had, had an early connection to spirit when they were very young. That was not my experience. It was a little bit like that, but not to the extent that you're talking about, but I just, I find that super fascinating. Um, switching gears a little bit, talk to us about exploring your emotional triggers. Why is that important? Uh, you know, when you have someone say something to you that you don't like, or you, you know, are in yet another relationship that is bringing up these old traumas, you want to know that original starting point. You want to know where are those buttons within you. And the way I describe this is that it is key to explore our emotional terrains and become like a spiritual archaeologist and dig up the bones of your past, dust them off, see what you're hiding in the closet so that you get to know who you are, what you don't like, what hurts you, what pains you. And that gives you information. It gives you data. Mm -hmm. And that data will help you to make changes, will help you to make better choices, will help you to have a better relationship with yourself, have a better relationship with others. So it is 
you know, for me, one of the primary things that I focus on with my clients is figuring out where those traumas happen, where do those triggers come from, exploring them so we can turn the volume down on the trigger and pick safer environments that don't activate the triggers as much. Yes. Can you talk a little bit more about when people, because I, I love that you talk about trauma in the book and you you take people through some some guided exercises. How can people know that they've experienced it? I, I mean, I understand like, okay, say you're in a relationship and, and somebody says something seemingly innocuous and you, mm-hmm. you know, you get your feathers ruffled, you might bulk at it, you might totally freak out to some extent. So how can people know that they've experienced trauma? Because I think sometimes people have a hard time connecting the dots. Yeah, I think that, you know, very simply anything that overwhelms your capacity to cope and respond. Yes. So in any moment that you feel that you can't respond or you can't cope, that is a moment of trauma Mm -hmm. and it leaves you feeling, you know, helpless or out of control. A lot of times you can't identify it because you have this idea that trauma is only X, Y, Z, that it's only some type of uh, physical abuse, let's say, for example, right? And it can be something as simple as, or seemingly as simple as someone saying to you, um, uh, why'd you put that, why'd you put that that way? Mm -hmm. Or someone criticizing you. But if you had a mom or a father that was really critical constantly, that might be a trauma for you. And so I I said in another interview that, you know, most of my clients are women, uh, women of color or white women that have gone through a lot of trauma and that identify with a POC experience in some way. And a lot of times my um, white clients will not be able to identify their trauma um, because there are different types of trauma. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, I had one client that she had a mom that would put a report card and it was all, it was, if, even if she got B's, she would say, you know, look at what you got. You only got B's. You need to work harder. And there was this constant pressure. And I remember saying, you know, that is a form of verbal abuse. And it was so shocking to her. She had, because her idea of trauma was that unless she was being physically abused or Mm -hmm. put down constantly, that, that, that it didn't count where it wasn't serious enough. And so um, in that moment, though, as a little kid, imagine her nervous system would shut down and she would say, I'm not good enough. Yeah. And a B is okay. It is good, but it wasn't good enough. And so that was the internal messaging she had. So I think it's really important to validate all experiences as, as what they are and really giving yourself permission to own, you know, that was traumatic. You don't have to compare your experiences to others. Mm -hmm. I like in psychology where they, they talk about big T and little T trauma, how a big T might be categorized as, you know, physical abuse or sexual abuse, or if you were, you know, were in combat in a war or something like that. And little T traumas are the, like that one that you mentioned. I remember I I had I was so triggered one time early on in my relationship with my my current husband and he was late coming home from work. It was like 10 minutes. It wasn't even that much and I lost my shit. And he was like, yeah. oh my God. And it, I had to connect the dots where, you know, my ex-husband would be hours and hours and hours late and sometimes just not come home at all, all night and be out with his friends. And I mean, this went on for years. It was a, it was a, um, 
it was traumatic for me and always being lied to and like promised that he would come home on time or promised that he would call me and he wouldn't. It was this betrayal that went on and on and on. And I, I didn't realize that it was still affecting me until it was done at a much, you know, different extent, but my reaction, I was so triggered and, and also got really angry with him, which was undeserving. And it was enormously helpful for me to own it, um, not beat myself up for it. And also just communicate like, this is what's happening. It's my stuff. And I also need you to be compassionate with me around this. Absolutely. That's such a perfect example, right? You, when, you know, a lot of times this will happen with someone that has a partner that's struggling, struggling with addiction or some type of addiction where they, there's a lot of betrayal, there's a lot of lies, or there's just a a lack of respect. Right. Mm -hmm. And that betrayal makes you live in this state of fight or flight. Right. Yeah. And freezing because your nervous system, again, your intuition, right. In that past marriage, probably there's something there that was feeling, this doesn't feel right. I'm upset. I'm scared, but it's a helpless feeling because mm-hmm. we're powerless over other people's actions. Right. Yeah. And so what happens is, is when a similar event comes up, although it may be very different on the surface, the brain signals late, late, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Late, late equals lies, equals betrayal, equals pain, equals suffering, equals abandonment, right? Mm-hmm. Equals this is not going to work equals whatever. And it goes into a dark kind of space spiral, right? And so in that moment, the nervous system kind of in the spiritual sense, right? The spirit kind of flies outside the body and all of a sudden you're just in this state of fear. Yeah. And the nervous system is frazzled and there's no ability to access the present moment to check in and see it how can I repair? How can I see if my, if my intuition is telling me something or is there in your case, right? That this is something from the past that still needs to be healed. And so often, so many of us have these parts of us that we only know once that wire is exposed a little bit, and it's touched and you're like, ouch, what was that? Yeah. Why did I get so mad? That was no big deal. Mm-hmm. Like I have a thing with like, uh, being told, being told to like clean or do something in a specific way because my mom was so picky. And mm-hmm. so it's so annoying to me. I'm like, Oh, just leave me alone. Right. Yeah. So I know I have to be mindful. And I remember, um, a couple of years back when I was living with a roommate, she was like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just giving you a heads up. You don't have to be so reactive. And I remember saying to her, wow, I remember what this was. I was severely verbally abused. And I go into this state of being like this little girl being yelled at by her Mm -hmm. mommy. Right. And so being able to go to those spaces within ourselves and give them love and speak to that part of ourselves and communicate if we're in partnership is so much better because then you're not projecting. You're able to really say, here's what's coming up for me. Um, I'm going to work on this and and have compassion for me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's work. <laughs> and, I, and I say that from experience because especially when I, well, it, I can only say it in my experience, my intuition in that former relationship, my intuition was, was telling me something. And then my intuition was gaslit by my partner, you know, saying, that's right. You know, there's, you're making it up. This, this isn't what's happening. And my intuition was screaming. And then what did you learn? I learned just, well, I learned a lot of things. (laughs) No, but in the, no, but in that moment, right. You learned that maybe you can't trust your intuition because that I was gaslighting denies your reality. Mm -hmm. Right. So then what happens? We have a fragmented intuition. 
because wow. a part of us is we're like, wait a minute, but I thought I was right. Yeah. And the person that's gaslighting is like, no girl, you're wrong. And you're like, wait, well, I've, but confusion begins. Right. So then part of that reason why, when that new trigger comes up, even if the person actually isn't doing something is because a part of ourselves also lost faith within ourselves because that intuition was, was denied, mm-hmm. right. was denied. Um, and so part of that journey, right. Of healing that trauma is then repairing our intuition to say, okay, wait a minute, let me still myself. Let me, practice coping mechanisms to help me get my nervous system into a state of neutral so I can see into this experience and see what's actually up. Well, talk to us about that for a minute. The, the intuition, you know, our gut versus fear, because you get, you gave a really great example in the book about a woman who had experienced past abuse. I think it was, there were, there were mm-hmm. a lot of client stories and I, I can't remember exactly what her story was, but you, you talk about that and, 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 and the how of that healing. Can you talk about that for a minute? Yes. Yes. Um, basically here's the deal. Sometimes we're not going to know if we're right or wrong. No. Why? Because if you have been gaslit, like in your story, right. Which I've experienced as well, your sense of reality is then skewed. You don't know what it is. You don't know if green is green anymore Mm -hmm. because your sense of reality has been denied so much, right? So what happens is that when a new relationship comes up, for example, your journey will be no matter what to go to the space within yourself and heal that pain. So in, in more practical terms, you might not be able to trust yourself right away. And so there's going to be a process in the beginning. Your intuition might be wrong. You know why? Because you're traumatized, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> so your brain might be looking for something that's not there because it's scared because it went through something traumatizing and it, do- it doesn't feel safe. Right? So there's a learning curve. There's a process to regain back that inner safety. And so sometimes that looks like in my, in the client's example, she was really Uh, had gone through earlier childhood trauma with her father and had suffered some grave, as you said, right? Big T trauma. Mm -hmm. She went through a lot of trauma. And so she was constantly feeling psycho, feeling crazy, yelling, getting upset. And and she didn't trust her intuition yet. Uh, What I encouraged her to do, because I knew that she needed to repair her intuition and heal that wound with with her earlier childhood trauma was to focus on that to focus on her healing that wound as long as she was in a safe environment, meaning that she wasn't in any danger emotionally, mentally, physically. Um, In this case, he was cheating on her. And she needed to first trust herself in order for her to leave the relationship. So she did her work. She signed up for therapy. She made sure that she healed that original trauma so that she can work on herself, so she can work on trusting herself. So she could work on her reactivity. When she was able to do that, she realized I'm calm and I still feel this way. Mm -hmm. In my stillness, in my working on myself, in my healing, all of these things within me, I still have a bad feeling. And then she allowed herself to to look and she found what she was looking for. and, And she made the decision to leave. But again... In order for her to get there, she had to regain her trust within herself. And that meant going back to that original injury that she had with her, with her father. And only then was she able to have enough confidence to say, I trust myself. Yeah. 
Yeah. You take people through a somatic, this is one of my favorite parts. You take people through a somatic guided journey in the book, which, you know, as you've been talking, is clearly important. You know, it's not just about talk therapy. Can you briefly describe that? That that I don't know if you remember that specific yeah. somatic journey that I'm mm-hmm. talking about. It had like three yeah, or four the steps. Three part. Mm-hmm. Um, with being able to walk, well, what I do in the retreat and what I did um in the book to kind of translate it for a book is going on this kind of meditation journey to walk through your first memories of anger, loneliness, sadness, for example, and being able to notice where in your body those memories live. How old were you? What smells came up? What were you wearing? How old were you? Um, I just said that, but basically, right. Being able to look at those memories and seeing when was the first time you experienced this emotion? When was the first time that you had an encounter with this and seeing how it shows up in your body? Does it feel tight? Does it feel heavy? What color is it? Does a certain image come up for you? Is it chains around your heart, for example, really tapping into the creative here. And when you go through this journey, what we do in the retreat is we have people lay out a piece of paper on the floor and they trace their body And I guide them through these emotions. And in the book, there are meditations. And you see, this is where it lives in my body. And when you have a physical kind of identification of where these emotions live, it allows you the ability to pinpoint what you need to heal. You know, in a house, in a physical house, it's very easy to see when the house is getting dirty and there's, you know, dust and there's clutter. But sometimes emotionally, we don't see that until we see our actions on the outside and our life become a mess. Mm-hmm. And so this is a way for us to look inward and to say, okay, where, where is this living in my body? Because that's stuck in there and I need somehow for it to come out. And so this somatic awareness of where it lives allows you to have connection again with your body and with what you've experienced in your life. Ah. <sighs> I I sigh deeply in resonance and also, you know, it's taken me, it took me a few years into my own, my own journey in, in my own personal development work, as well as my own practice as a coach to realize how incredibly important that work is because you cannot think your way through healing. I try. You can't. No, you can't. It doesn't work. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of people that come to me on my retreats or that work with me, I've been doing this work for over 11 years now. And um, I've been able to see the difference, right? Because I worked as a clinical therapist, which in the kind of more traditional um, setting, I wasn't allowed to do a lot of the practices that I do because there are certain parameters. There's no touch, Mm -hmm. right? Um, In my retreats, I I am able to give a hug. Um, I am able to give this kind of more... uh, uh, connection, right? Connection, energy. And so a lot of the practice is more mental in traditional therapy. And the practice that I incorporate is much more embodied, soulful, and physical in the sense that I'm walking you through an energetic felt sense of what you've experienced. You're not just talking it through. Mm -hmm. I'm bringing you into a kind of an energy bubble where you're able to go into those memories as they exist in your body. And so if I feel that someone's in their head, right, I, I continue, right? We do breath work until they drop into their body, until they're feeling it, until they smell it, until their senses are activated, because there's no way in hell that you can just heal 
by only rethinking your way through it. You can't because trauma lives in the body. Yeah. It needs to be released. It needs to be purged. Yeah. I, I realized that it was incredibly vulnerable as a client slash patient, you know, going through that. And um, it's, it's when we just talk about it, there is a way for us to armor up and still stay outside of it. Can you repeat that again? I just felt that it was, it was, if you, if you only do talk therapy, if you only talk about your problems, it's a way for us to armor up. We don't have Mm -hmm. to, um, we don't have to totally go in because to do that is extraordinarily vulnerable. Yeah. And I love having, you know, uh, a, a full holistic approach, right? Go to talk therapy, mm-hmm. allow you, and uh, therapy is also changing, right? Like a lot more therapists are incorporating more mindfulness, more breath work, more embodied practices, because there's more research to support this kind of uh, beliefs system, right? And in the book, I also say how the word psychology doesn't mean the study of the mind, it means the study of the soul. And so that's important to know that yeah. because you are studying the soul. You're bringing someone to help them reconnect to their soul. And so if you are experiencing, you know, blocks in your life and you're like, why is this not freaking going away? Right. Mm-hmm. I thought my way through this. Why do I, I keep all these running into the same problems why in every it? relationship? That's another thing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, it means that there's something energetically, there's something in the nervous system that doesn't feel safe yet. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. hasn't been repaired enough yet. And it's totally okay. That's, you know, that's for most of us, you know, we're not gonna, especially if you've gone through a lot, you know, I consider myself one of those people that's gone through a lot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a, it's a harder, it's a harder kind of path. Some people haven't, and they don't have as many triggers and that's cool too. Right. But you know, it is what it is, whatever you were handed. It's like, okay, fuck, I have to deal with this yeah. now. Right. What am I going to do with it? And so being really gentle and loving with ourselves and being like, okay, here you are again, we meet again, right? And finding new ways to really go into that space and saying, okay, um, this reminds me of something that I've went through. I'm going to go there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to really look at what needs to be loved up. What's been ignored. How can I give this part of myself attention? Um, And really that's all it is. Those pieces of us just really need to be loved and seen and honored and validated until they feel safe enough. Yeah. The book is I Am Diosa, A Journey to Healing Deep, Loving Yourself, and Coming Back Home to Soul. The book is out now online. Um, I don't know if anyone's going to be able to go to a bookstore, but they can order try try to order from independent bookstores. And do you have anything or a, a link where anybody can go to for any giveaways? Yeah. All the details will be at IamDiosaBook.com. We have tons of resources that are not in the book, um, meditation and a three-part video series to really help you walk through a lot of what we've been talking about today, kind of getting from the blocks into what the vision is beyond that. Excellent. Thank you so much for doing this work. And I want to just mention very quickly to people. So Christine was on my podcast before and we talked about love addiction. So if you did not catch that episode, if you're newer to the show, I'm going to pop that link in the show notes because it was excellent. You'll get to hear more of, of the work that she does and go out and grab the book. I am diosabook.com to get the extra resources. Anything else that, that you want to say before we, before we're complete over here? Just that you are so worthy 
and so deserving of love. And I know that right now we are all collectively going through a lot and just give yourself the space to have a little bit of extra compassion for yourself and take some time to just look at those spaces within you that need some loving and give yourself some loving. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. You know how much I value your time and I'm so grateful that you choose to spend it with me and my guests over here. And until next time, everyone, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.